You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We've been in a series called Exiles. We've been studying First and Second Peter, and next week we're going to finish in our uh, ESV study journals the book of Jude, and so you can read ahead and be prepared for that, and it's going to be incredible. But man, hasn't First and Second Peter been good? It's been so good. Uh, Peter, he wrote two letters. He was one of the apostles. That just simply means he walked with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. He was one of my favorite disciples to study uh, uh, for a few reasons I won't get into today. But Peter wrote both of these letters while he was in the country of Rome while waiting to be executed. Can you even imagine? He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about the church that he loved that he cared for. And it's interesting. It, even this morning as we read and we'll get into the, to the message, I want you to be thinking, what does this old dying apostle say to the church? What's his encouragement? He's writing to a group of exiles, people that have been dispersed, they've been spread out. Now they're living in an area where their voice is not the loudest. And so they're not, uh, they're not influencing culture like they maybe once were. Does that sound familiar? Sound a little bit like America, Christians in America? In 1 Peter, it kind of reads itself. If you read along and uh, were staying up to, to um, man, I'm struggling this morning for some reason with my words. But uh, anyway, uh, if you've been reading along you know that First Peter just kind of reads itself. It's, it's easy to read. It's about the suffering Christians, and we can certainly relate. I started the series at the beginning of the summer. Uh, Pastor Bobby preached, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Rocky, and then back to Bobby, and uh, we made our way through. And then Second Peter came, uh, which, let's just be honest, if you read it, if you were reading along, Second Peter is harder to read. Uh, anybody notice that? You're like, ah, oh, man, this is, this is interesting. Uh, there's only 60 verses in Second Peter. Uh, but there's one basic purpose, and it's found kind of as bookends in 2 Peter. And I want you to turn with me uh, to page 28 if you're following along in your ESV journal, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says this, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. So Peter's saying, look, what I'm saying here, you've heard before, but I want to remind you. I want to stir it up. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, on page 32, you see a similar thing, kind of bookends here. He says, this is now my second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Again, in both cases, I'm stirring it up. Don't forget these things. Now, Pastor Mike Jones, when he preached, he focused on growth. In fact, I think uh, his message was spectacular. If you were not here, go back in the archives just a couple weeks and listen to that message. He said in that message that God has given us everything we need, and if he didn't, we could accuse him at some level. I thought that was an interesting concept. Pastor Sean preached the, the danger zone. He got into chapter 2, and my apologies, Pastor Sean. 
chapter 2 is not an easy book to preach through. It's talking about false prophets and false teachers. But I loved what Sean said. He says, we, God's people, really need to know God's truth. Can I get an amen to that? He said we've got to be grounded in that truth. And so it's so important. Second Peter, when you look at it as an overview, Chuck Swindoll does a really good job pulling things together. And Chuck Swindoll summarizes Second uh, Peter together. He says spiritual maturity or that growth period that, that uh, Mike was talking about is the remedy to false teachers. So our growth in the Lord, continuing to grow, that's going to help us to be aware of false teachers. And then it's the right response. Growth is the right response in light that Jesus is going to return. And that idea is captured at the very, very end, the very last page, page 36. Um, if you turn there, you can highlight it. I've got mine all highlighted up. Uh, we see kind of this idea in verse 17. It says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, this is the last thing he's writing, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. So he's talking about the false teachers again. And lose your own stability. Instead, verse 18, he says, to grow, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so we get this idea of growth. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to find a clean spot in your journal, uh, a page that uh, maybe you haven't uh, filled out yet, or if you're taking notes, you can put it in your phone, or you can listen later and do this later. I want to just hit uh, three quick things in regards to the overview, because I think it's going to set us up for the today uh, really important. First of all, chapter one, uh, there's this idea that we should look within. There's a an idea that we are called to be pure, right? How can we grow? How do we grow in peace and grace and knowledge? Uh, chapter 1 is all this, this exhortation to spiritual maturity. Then chapter 2, we move there. We're going to look around us, right? We're going to be aware. We don't just kind of go and, uh, blindly. We need to be aware what our false teachers like. And there are some strong comments in chapter 2 when you really dig into it against false teachers. And so we're going to look within. We'll look around, be aware. And then chapter 3, we're going to look ahead in this is where we're going to be today, when we need to be diligent to do so. This is our focus. What sort of people ought we to be? We should be anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. And now, I'm just curious, by a show of hands, and I want you to participate, and don't lie, all right? So you have to participate. How many of you here have ever heard that Jesus is going to return for his church. Just, I want, I want to see. If you haven't heard, just keep your hand down. Uh, but if, okay. So the majority here, so that means there's several here that maybe haven't. Listen, the Bible says over and over that Jesus is going to return. In fact, Jesus says that he's going to return soon. Let's say that together. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus said it in the Gospels. The Bible and other places said that Jesus is going to return. And church, my grandpa, who we just buried yesterday, said it over and over and over throughout my lifetime, especially in the last several years, every single time. And that is not an exaggeration. Without fail that I talked with him on the phone or in person, he would remind me that the Lord 
is going to return. He, he would say there's nothing holding Jesus back from coming back. And if you haven't heard it, you've heard it now. Jesus is coming soon. So today, this is going to be our theme. This is the big takeaway. And I want us to kind of frame this in the mindset that we need to wrestle with the idea that eternity is coming. Eternity should be on our minds. And as we wrestle with it, Peter, he acknowledges that there will be some scoffers along the way. And let's look at that first, the scoffers. First, or 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, let's start there. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. We already read it, but it's, we'll read it again. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So again, he's talking to a group of people that have heard that Jesus is coming and coming soon. But he said, I don't, I don't want you to forget. He says, and you should remember the predictions of the old or the holy uh, prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Pause here for a second. If you're taking notes, you might want to just put in the, in the notes or in the side that he's talking about the Old Testament prophecy, but he's also talking about the apostles, which he is including himself here. And he's saying, look, the things that have been written about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, the letters, that are, he's putting those on the same level, equal level of importance. And we don't have time to really dig into that, but it's fascinating. Verse 3, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Now, they're not scoffing because they haven't heard that Jesus is coming. They're actually scoffing probably because they're, they've heard and it hasn't happened, right? But the reason they are scoffing is not because of a lack of knowledge. It's because of their own sinful desires. They're rejecting anyone or anything that would want to take control over their lives, which Jesus wants to. Verse 4, and they will say, these scoffers, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. They're saying nothing changes. Everything's been the same, right? And it's interesting that I, as a little boy, heard my grandma and grandpa say that Jesus was going to return. I remember my parents saying it. And I've heard it ever since I was a kid. And it's interesting that if we put today's message into practice and we start saying, hey, Jesus is going to return, he's going to return soon, there will be people that will scoff at us. They will roll their eyes. They will write you off. And Peter, he gives us a defense starting in verse 5 that is worth noting. He talks about creation, and then he talks about the flood uh, and the ark and all of that. And he, he really, it's rooted in the word of God spoken. Let's look at it. Verse number five says, For they de deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through the water by the word of God. And by the, by the means of these, the world that has that then existed, was diluged with water and perished. He's talking about the flood account, uh, when God destroyed the world with water. By, but by the same word, 
the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. He's saying, look, this is important for you to understand. He's saying there, it was the word of God. Things haven't always been the same. Before creation, God was. He always was and always will be. Eternity is a hard thing to get our mind around, but God exists outside of time, and we'll see that in a second. But he says at some point, God spoke and creation happened. Again, God spoke and the floods came down, and only Noah and the ark were saved, right? And he's saying God at some point again is going to interrupt all of eternity, and he's going to speak again by his word. And at this point, he's going to destroy our current world by fire. So the point so far is that God interrupted the world before with the flood. And he can and he will do it again. Say it with me. Jesus is coming soon. But the question is, when? Right? And Peter continues. Let's look at it. Verse 8. He says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Wow. God's timing is not like ours. And I want to just encourage us that we would not scoff or judge God's timing. He talks about one day being like a thousand or a thousand being like one day. God does not exist in our time. That's not a literal 1,000 equals one day. I don't believe it's more of a figure of speech. In verse 9, though, it talks about how some would say God is so slow in keeping this promise. The word there for patient towards you is long-suffering. I didn't understand what this word meant. I studied it a little bit. It's an idea of stored-up anger before judgment. So God has this amazing capacity to hold off on judging the world. He's long-suffering towards you. The fact that we're even discussing this, or I, that I have the opportunity to share in this setting, is proof that God is long-suffering. But we know that God also is going to judge. He will be true to his word. Jesus is long-suffering towards us but don't forget, and say it with me, Jesus is coming soon. And we call it the day of the Lord, or the rapture. And we see Peter talk about that in verse 10. Look at it with me. It says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. Let me just stop there. I've got that in brackets in my Bible. You might want to do that too. The day of the Lord will come. You can bet your bottom dollar, right? It says he will come like a thief and then the heaven will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed, right? So it's going to come. It's going to happen. The rapture, the hope of resurrection, right? And it's going to happen by fire. We don't know the specific day, but there are clues in God's word, not only here, but in other places. And one of those places is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
verses 1 through 11. You can write it down and look at it later. I want to read a little of these clues, and I want you to hear. We get to pick up on some of these things. This is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says this, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. See, Paul had talked about Jesus' coming. Jesus had talked about it. But he's saying, okay, but just in case. He says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them, and suddenly, as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. So be ready. Verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things. There's clues, right? Dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Verse 6, so be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Night is the time when people are asleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as a helmet the confidence of salvation. And then verse 9, For God chose excuse me, to save us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us, in verse 10, I've got this highlighted. This is a key for us today, for those that have passed already, like my grandpa, or those that are of us that are living and we're anticipating the return of the Lord. It says, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. That's the promise of the hope of our Savior. So encourage each other. Build each other up just as you are already doing. So the question is, Peter's writing, going back to Peter now. He's saying, all right, there's going to be some scoffers, right? Uh, we, are, we know that the day of the Lord is coming. When is it going to come? We don't know. Uh, we have to trust God's time. But in the meantime, what do we do now? Again, Jesus is coming soon. Yes, that's true. And Peter goes on and says, to live holy lives. Let's continue. Verse 11. It says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought we to be in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening for the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, what now? He says, be diligent and be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Peter is saying, look, while you wait, your example, your testimony should be that one of holiness and godliness. And then in verse 12, something caught my attention that I, I'm not sure I've ever seen. He talks about waiting and being patient, right? And we got to understand that God's time is not our own time. But it says waiting and hastening. 
And I didn't even know what that word meant. It means that we have a part, that we can bring upon or bring out the coming of the Lord. We have a part to play. We can hurry the return of the Lord when we share the good news about Jesus. And so we should get busy. That's why we care about missions here at the Gateway Church. But it's not just missions to the ends of the earth. It's missions with the people that we rub shoulders with, every single person we come in contact with, and we're going to see that in a minute. And the reason that we would share is because, say it with me, Jesus is coming soon. And then Peter, he wraps up the chapter by talking about growing. And we've talked about this before, but let's just read it. It says, And count the patience of the Lord as salvation, that's verse 15, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do with other scriptures. So again, he's talking about false prophets there. And then verse 17, he has this idea that we are called to grow. And this is really key. And I know I've already mentioned it. It's the bookmarks or the bookends. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the errors of lawless people and lose your own stability. But, say it with me, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. So church, we are called to grow, to hold fast to Scripture, to be stable, to grow in grace. Not that grace will grow, but our understanding of grace grows. And in this season, if you haven't already signed up for EHS, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, our discipleship class for this fall, and you have a desire to grow, you're saying, man, I want to grow, I want to know more, I want to I uh, be, uh, be that kind of person, you need to sign up. And uh, it's just a couple weeks away, we're going to be together. And, uh, and if we've got everybody signing up, uh, youth group's going to be meeting in the kids' room, just so you know, and we're going to meet here. Wouldn't that be something? But, uh, but the reason we're serious about growing in discipleship is because that's what God cares about. And part of our discipleship plan has to be to share that Jesus is coming. Jesus let us know that he was coming back, and he pursues us, continues to do so uh, day in and day out. Now, there's two takeaways for me as I've been thinking about these verses, this chapter, for a long time. I knew that this was coming. The first came alive even to a greater extent in the last week and a half since my grandpa's passing. The first takeaway is rooted in verse 12 that says the waiting and the hastening. When we start believing the reality that there is something on the other side of this life, the other side of eternity, it should change the way we live on this side of eternity. And I want to just challenge myself and challenge you that most of us don't pay attention to this and may not even believe that Jesus is coming again. Because if you really believe that Jesus could return at any moment, 
it should change the way we live today. Now, my grandpa was not perfect. Um, the Lord knows that. But there was one thing that my grandpa did over the past six years since my grandma died. He asked my Aunt Dar to secure him some Bibles that he could give away. And it started off small, and then it just grew, and it became something. In fact, a lot of the pictures that we saw on the uh, that scrolled during uh, before and after, uh, we would see my grandpa had a Bible in his pocket, but it wasn't just a Bible. He also had a $20 bill in each of the New Testaments. And it's interesting that even as he grew old these last six years and his hands stopped working, they were numb, he would take the time to find John 3.16 and he'd put a little marker. And then at the very end of the Bible, there was a place, the sinner's prayer, and he would mark that and uh, how to find a good local church. And my grandpa would have these with him constantly. I remember being out to lunch with him on his birthday, and we gave away a Bible with a $20, crisp $20. It had to be crisp. He'd go to the bank and ask for brand new $20 bills, and he'd put those in, and he did this. And it was interesting that a bunch of people talked about it yesterday. Um, I didn't talk about it in my portion, but um, I, when I was thinking about this message and the timing, my grandpa was always talking about the Lord's return. I mentioned already, every time I talked with him. And then he would be just telling people, Jesus loves you. He'd give them uh, to, the, to his doctors and to uh, people at the grocery store. And every time he'd go out to eat and, and different things. And it was just on his, on his heart. The last order that he made was August 4th, 23. So less than a month ago. And I got five that were left out of that order. And I've got three here, and I'll tell you what we're going to do with those in a second. But it's funny. He says, uh, there's a little note. This was in with the Bibles that my Uncle John gave me, and I thought, well, this isn't for me. But then I read it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. It says, Dear Zoltan, sorry that we have run out of the Blue Testaments. According, He must have liked the blue ones better than the Burgundy. He says, Mike has ordered more so that next time we can give you all blue. <laughs> he says, God bless and take care. Keep spreading God's word. Love, Barb and Mike. And I don't know who Barb and Mike were. I'm not even sure if they were at the funeral yesterday. But apparently, for years now, my grandpa would put in these orders for boxes of Gideon Bibles. We estimated, my aunts did, they added up, how many Bibles do we think my grandpa gave away in the last six years? And it's somewhere right around a thousand Bibles were given away with a $20 bill. That's a lot of Bibles, but let's just be honest, that's $20,000 that was given. Then my grandpa, wherever he went, he was quick to share the good news. And so I've got, I had five, that was all that was left over after this last shipment. So in the last month, my grandpa was given more away, and then some of my Aunts and uncles took some Bibles, and then some of the kids I saw run around with them, and I said, hey, I'll take whatever is left over. We had five, and today, we're going to go out to dinner tonight. We've got some friends from out of town, and we're going to give away a Bible when we go out to eat. We're going to leave it as a tip. We'll tell them the story, 
and uh, sorry if it embarrasses you, but we're going to do it. Um, but uh, Yep. All right, so we're going to do that. And then I've got two more that I would like to be given away today. First service, two people committed that today that they would do this. And this is not the church's money. This is Ben Vey's money. Sorry, Jess. I didn't ask you. But uh, it's our money. <laughs> I stopped by the bank this morning. And so... Um, and they're not really that crisp, but I think people are going to still be happy uh, with, a, with a, either a good tip or a, a good conversation. And I'm wondering, are there two bold people that would join me in letting someone know that God loves them? Who wants to do it today with me? All right, Ted. I saw Ted, and then I saw, um, and your name is um, slipping my mind, I know you, Kara. Thank you. Ted and Kara. Um, were the first two that I saw. And so today, all right, join me, join my family. We're going to give these away. This is going in my back pocket. And uh, that is the first takeaway, the waiting, the hastening. And the reality is, is it's not just the three of us or the five of us. It's not just my grandpa. We are all called to be an example, to bring the good news to those who haven't heard it. And we're all called to do that. So that's the first takeaway. And I want to encourage you that this is the season, this is the time to do it. And then the second thing, and the worship team can join me, is to repent. It is crystal clear that God, He has a time that He's going to return, but He's long-suffering. He's holding out judgment for you and for me, and for our neighbors. There are people in this room, and I'm not going to point you out, that have been saved in the last few weeks, saved in the last few uh, months, or like within the last year at this point. And aren't you grateful for the long-suffering of Jesus? And there are people in our lives that need to hear this. And so that's the hastening. But you may be here today, and you may be ready to receive the loving, great news that Jesus, he died on a cross for you. And he took our sins. And all we have to do is confess our sins. And the Bible says that he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of those sins. And he provides eternal life. I want you to stand and I want you to close your eyes. And I'm just curious, in the room today, where those that are online, for those that are online, you can respond. I need Jesus, and we'll follow up with you 100% of the time. And uh, we got tools and, and things that we want to come alongside you. But for those that are in the room, if you're here today, and you're saying, Pastor, help me. <laughs> Pray for me. I need Jesus. I am either away from God, and maybe I once served him, or maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I just want you, real bold, just to lift your hand, and I want to pray with you. And I'm just curious. Second service here. Yes. We got a gentleman back here. Anybody else? Yes, right here in the back row. Yes. Anybody else? We got a couple. Who else? We respond. Yeah. We're going to sing a song here that I've asked Pastor Bobby. It's a song we started singing about six years ago, and we bring it back on occasion. And it talks about 
how God is pursuing. And God is pursuing these couple, and we're going we're gonna to pray together here in a moment. But would you just lead us, Pastor Bobby, as God stirs our heart, and then we'll pray and be done and conclude for today. For the couple that raised their hand and anyone else that would like to come back to the Lord or find Jesus for the first time, I just want to lead us in a simple prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's your heart condition. It's putting your faith in Jesus. Say after me, dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. But today, I put my faith in you. Clean up my heart. Take away my sin. I know I don't deserve it. But you provided a way when you died on the cross. Save me and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the heavenly angels. Thank you, Lord. Listen, we're not intended to walk alone. We need to get you guys connected and uh, with a mentor or in AEHS this fall. And, uh, and so connect with us. Let us know at the Connection Center how we can follow up with you. I was just thinking one other story yesterday, and indulge me. Um, I promise I won't uh, be talking about my grandpa forever. <laughs> but uh, I had heard, um, and I had forgotten about this story, but my grandpa, when he worked for Ford Motor Company, uh, he was... Um, he worked for Ford Motor Company, but he was a carpenter. And so he worked at a huge plant, and he was the carpenter. So he, didn't, he wasn't working on cars. Uh, he was working on the facilities. And so, but he always would play Christian music uh, on his boombox. And, uh, and he'd, he'd turn it up. And for years, and this is not, this is crazy, his boomboxes would go missing after a little bit, and he'd never find them. But he just kept on buying another one and playing his Christian music. And yesterday, at the funeral, there was an employee that had taken one of those boom boxes and thrown it away. And I don't know where his heart is, but he knew that my grandpa cared about him. And there are people in your life that you care about that need to hear that Jesus is coming soon. And so, Lord, help us to be a mouthpiece. If you're interested and willing this week, with God's help, even if there's going to be scoffers, which there will be, even if people ask you when and you don't have the answer, there's not a date that we know, but we just understand that by faith, God, he's returning. But you're saying, I'm still willing to share I want to just lift your hand saying, I want to be the type of person that is willing to share the love of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every hand that's up. Lord, I pray that you would use us, you would strengthen us, help us, God. And even when it's difficult, even when there's persecution, even when there's scoffers, even when we don't know, Lord, I pray that you would empower us, grow us up, Lord, and help us to be a mouthpiece 
to share your good news. We pray this, and now I pray that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.